Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, your inside look at your favorite NHL team. I'm Carter Baum with Blackhawks.com. And on this week's episode, Chris Cook from Blackhawks.com and Adam Burrish from Blackhawks TV join us to take a look at the Robin Leonard signing, where the roster stands heading into the 2019-2020 season, and a preview of next week's prospect camp, of course, beginning on July 15th over at Fifth Third Arena. And later on into this episode, we have a lengthy discussion with Senior Vice President and General Manager Stan Bowman looking at the offseason thus far and taking some of your questions including what his favorite Blackhawks memory was of course aside from those Stanley Cup championships this episode was recorded before Tuesday's acquisition of Alexander Nylander but you can hear from Stan on his insight why he likes having so many young forward options on the roster heading into the year and of course we'll have more on the move in next week's episode stick around it's all coming up on Blackhawks Insider Heroic first half for Lehner, who leads the league in goals against and save percentage. He has been great. Kane sending uh, to break it in there, trying to center Tate. Nice save, Lehner. You know, I'm 27, turning 28, and I, I truly, in my soul, know I'm, uh, I'm just scratching the surface. Uh, last year was a, a good, uh, good start for me. I know I'm only going to get better. Um, just the sheer firepower in the organization that. Uh, I'm about to join. It just uh, really excites me. And uh, uh, a one-year deal uh, made sense on both parts. That was none other than Robin Leonard, the newest goaltending signing for the Chicago Blackhawks. And of course, as I'm joined by Adam Burrish and Chris Cook, we sat down last week. We recorded a great podcast. We felt really good about talking about free agency and offseason moves. And uh, Stan Bowman threw a little curveball at us with the late signing of Robin Leonard. So we'll talk about him now. And Chris, you had a great piece speaking with him on Blackhawks.com last week on just kind of how this fell into the Blackhawks' laps. And it's just continuing a series of events where Stan Bowman is capitalizing on the opportunities that are presented to him. That was something the Blackhawks were on the other end of for a long time, where they had to jettison players because of salary cap issues. Stan Bowman now taking advantage of other teams' issues. And it sounds like it kind of broke bad a little bit for Leonard uh, on the island. And Stan Bowman did the smart thing, even though he had a number one goaltender. Uh, clearly, a goaltender had some physical issues in Corey Crawford. If you get an opportunity to go out there and get a guy who's a Vezina Trophy finalist, a guy who's really uh, jump-started his career, seems very confident in his ability, is still young enough to really have a good career, you go out and get him. I think it was a, a brilliant move by Stan Woman because if he talked about what the biggest question mark possibly going into next season was, is Corey Crawford going to be healthy? How many games can he go? Now Corey doesn't have to come back faster if he's you know, off an injury or if he's tired or whatever because you've got a guy capable can step in. If they, if they share the starts, you're talking about arguably the best one-two tandem goaltending in the league. What I like best about it is look around the NHL and teams get stuck with these goaltenders in these five and six year deals. Mm -hmm. Now, I I think goaltending, it's a it's a goofy position, kind of like maybe like baseballs and baseball pitchers where it's fickle. It comes and goes. And I don't know what it is for goaltenders because I wasn't or maybe I was too dumb to play one or I wasn't dumb enough to play goaltender. But Part of it, it's it's how you play. It's your positioning. Part of it's a little bit of luck and the people that are in front of you. And goaltenders, you get hot for two or three years. Then all of a sudden, the, the puck won't hit you. And so I, I think if you talk to a lot of GMs in the league, it's tough for them to sign five- and six-year deals. Leonard comes in on a one-year deal, and I, and I listened to the stuff that you guys did with him, and he talks about being hungry and always being on one-year deals and having to prove himself every year. And, and I can tell you from my experiences, when you sign a long-term deal – 
truth is it's hard to stay motivated. You can see this big whack of money somebody gives you and you don't really have to prove yourself every night. Now that's part of the professionalism and most guys can handle that. But I always like guys that are hungry that have to prove themselves. And this year is a tryout for him again. You could say, well, he proved himself last year. Well, guess what? No, you didn't. You know, it's one year isn't good enough in this league. You've got to do it consistently. So sure, people are going to say, well, now you got $11 million in goalies. That's a lot of money tied up in goalies, but it's a one-year deal. And the Blackhawks, like you said, Chris, have some space right now. Uh, I, I think I think it's a good move for Stan, and I think Blackhawk fans should be excited, and, and you nailed it. Who knows what how Corey's going to feel? I know a week after the season, he was on the ice skating. He looked pretty darn good already. So uh, I think in general, fans can feel good about this one. A one-year deal, $5 million uh, AAV for Robin Leonard. You mentioned that attitude that he has coming in of almost a chip on his shoulder. He's ready to go. He's hungry. He's ready to prove himself once again on another one-year deal. What do you love about that, especially at such a crucial position as goaltender? Well, look at the teams in for the Blackhawks that have won Stanley Cups. In 2010, what was it, 11 guys that left last year because their deals were up. So everybody, look at the history of the NHL. Guys overachieve when you need to get paid next season. So the more guys you have like that in, what was it, in 13, when you had you know Brad Richards on a one-year deal, you brought a lot of guys in, some older guys, some veteran guys on one-year deals, or guys it was the end of their contracts looking to get paid. It motivates guys. It really does. And, and you'd like to say at the professional level, it, you're just professional and you show up every game and you play the exact same. But when you gotta when you got to put some food on the table and you want to make another big contract next season, it, it makes a big difference. So that's what I like best about it is, is, he's, is he finds a goaltender that's proven, but he's got to be hungry. You need two good goaltenders. Uh, and I think the Blackhawks have proven that when Ray Murray was around. I remember what he did yep. for that team. You know, you can't have a guy – go you know, 65, 70 starts, and if you've got two guys who are capable of being number ones, and if they can coexist, and it, Corey Crawford always struck, strikes me as a guy who um, isn't going to be bothered by a number, another goaltender sure, in no. there. He's gonna, it might motivate him to be even better, which I think is great. You've got two guys pushing each other. Uh, it's, a, it's a win-win for the Blackhawks. It's just two guys. I mean, they have a ton of those black, back-to-backs we talked about. And, you know, if, if uh, Coach Colleton wants to go out and roll with the hot goaltender, then you do that. You give him three, four, five starts in a row. That doesn't work out, then you can alternate him. It really, it's just a, it's a win-win situation. There, there are goaltenders, too, that are, that are jerks that, oh, this is my net. Right. You know, they don't want to be friendly. They're not there to be friends with the backup goalie. They're focused on their job. Corey's not that guy. He's a very confident guy. He's very yeah. confident, and he's, he's a team guy. Um, so that won't be an issue. I, I Actually, I texted Patrick Sharp when I saw that deal. I said, do you like this or not? He goes, I love it. He goes, I watched Dallas a lot last season, he said, and they had two really good goalies. Obviously, Ben Bishop was their guy, but when he was hurt or when he was down, they had two guys that – I would almost say those two goalies carried him into a playoff spot. Uh, their team was inconsistent. They had issues with their ownership, with the Dallas Stars calling out their star players, and their goaltenders kind of carried them. So, and I didn't think of it that way, but and that's what he had said, and I kind of agree with Sharp on that one, that now you've got two guys that say Corey's not feeling well or at the back-to-backs like you mentioned. You can put either one of these guys in there, and you can win every night. And we can talk a lot about what he does on the ice. You know, 930 save percentage last year on the island. Such a... a a career year for him but almost more important and what's more astounding maybe is what he's been able to do off the ice in the last 18 months turning his life around you he's been very open with his struggles with mental health and addiction and uh, he's a proponent of it uh, of of seeking help and making people aware of just how serious of a, of a thing this is 
he's just an incredible person, both on and from all accounts from afar off the ice. Well, it's not easy to talk about. I, I mean, ask any professional athlete. They don't want to tell you about their injuries. They don't want to tell you what they're going through at home because it may affect your contract. Teams judging every little piece of your lifestyle and the way you live and the way, the way you handle yourself. And here's a guy that's had addiction problems, has had mental health problems. As bad as it is to, to say, that, that's a scary thing for a team to sign. I don't really want to touch a guy that's got all these issues away from the ice. That's the truth of it. Uh, but he's been open. He's been honest. He's talked about it, which I think is great. And it's not an easy thing for professional athletes, anybody to do. Uh, but he's been open and he's been forthcoming with what's going on and he's not hiding anything. And I think as a teammate, when I hear a guy talk about that, I want to help this guy now. He, he, he's laid himself out there. He's opened himself up. We're on The Bachelor right now. He's opened himself up. <laughs> and uh, as a teammate and as a guy in the league and as another professional, I think it's pretty cool. I think it's great. I think we probably do a whole podcast on how kind of athletes are really speaking their minds and not hiding things because there's this culture, yeah. not only in hockey, but all across sports where, yeah, I can't tell anybody I'm hurt. I can't tell anybody I'm hurting inside or physically or mental. What I think is great about this is that he's very open about it, so he won't be hiding anything during the season. Sure. We've, we've all you know, heard about players later on saying, oh, yeah, we had a, he had a bad year, and it turns out he was going through something messy. Yep. And, you know, he's very open about it. And that way he can get help if he needs it. He can help others. He can talk about it. That's not something that's going to be a problem in the, in the Hawks dressing room. I think players respect that. I think teammates are going to really rally around him. And um, it's a great situation to see him talking about it. He can help others. He can help on the ice. He can help off the ice. And that's just something the Blackhawks could really use. Um, I, I'm all for this guy. He was very open and honest, and I really like that in a player. Lots of great stuff on Robin Leonard over on Blackhawks.com, including Chris's piece on just the advantageous offseason that Stan Bowman's having. The great Bob Verde has a piece up uh, recently about just – how this depth of this team has really helped. You know, they've, they've not gone out and signed the big players, but they've improved through depth and through bringing in some of these players and through trades, through the draft, through free agency. What's left for Stan Bowman to do? What What does the remainder of the offseason look like? Because if you look at the roster, things are really shaping up. There's not a ton of cap space left, and uh, it really seems like this team has almost taken shape in the last three or four weeks. Well, development camp, right, is yeah. what you start looking at. Who do we have? You know, we got we know we got some young guys, but is is Kirby Doc ready to take the next step? Got those defensemen down there. Or do we have one of those guys take the next step? Good problem to have when you've got prospects who seem like they're ready to make that step, but might not be room for them. That's fine. Give them another year in the junior club. Uh, I think this is going to be an evaluation period. And it's a good thing you're not looking for, oh, I've got a hole in the third line now. What am I going to do? It may not all work out. You know, Stan Bowman said that himself to me. He said, you know, sometimes guys look great. You know, video looks great. You know, he talks a great game. We send him a great contract, and it doesn't work out. But he's put himself in position, Stan Bowman's put himself in position to have depth on a team that didn't have it last year. He's addressed the area of, of needs, defense, goaltending, backup goaltending. He's got some scoring up front. He's got some young guys coming along. Right now, you start looking at development camp, who's opening some eyes, how long is it going to take for these guys to get here? Are these assets for possible trades? It's just, it's right now, it's a period of next year's roster looks pretty set. Let's start looking at the future this season, next season, and then one after that. Well, and now, finally, especially with these with the two new defensemen they brought in with Olimata and Dehan, now you've got any of your last three draft picks, which were first-round defensemen. Now you've got a stable of defensemen with some high-caliber defensemen that maybe you move one of them. Maybe now you've got some pieces that you can move. Maybe you package them in with an older veteran guy. Who knows? Now you at least have you this have options. full options. You've got a full table of guys, especially on the back end. Um, that maybe you can can move a guy now, and then you can bring that big name guy in. Possibly, but the, the table's open now, which I think is neat. But um, it is. I, I agree with Cook. 
that now it's prospect camp and now you go to training camp and now you've got some young guys that can step in? Because if I'm being honest, last year when guys were hurt and you had to call some guys up from the minors, it, it was a little vanilla. A lot of these guys they brought up, they were serviceable, they were okay, but they weren't impact guys. We talk about grit and some, some guys that when they come up, you got to make an impact right away, whether it's physically, whether it's energy, whether it's killing penalties and blocking shots, or else you better be a high-level skill guy. They were all kind of right in the middle there. You didn't have somebody that jumps on that ice and you're like, holy man, this guy's in the minors. He may only have enough juice to go three games and they're going to send him back, but I didn't get that bite from anybody coming up. Now I think you've got a stable of guys uh, that we'll be able to see at prospects camp. We'll see in training camp. And I think for all these prospects, they're all reading the website. They look at the website. They look at the Twitter. They look at the Instagram. They read what fans are saying that are wanting those type of guys. So if I'm one of these young kids listening and watching what's going on here, man, I'm going to show up to prospects camp or training camp and I'm going to go 150 miles an hour. I'm going to be that gritty kind of guy if you want to make this bottom six because there's holes there still. Bottom six, nobody in that bottom six is safe ever. Not only leading up to the season, but once you're in the season, if you're one of those bottom six guys and and you're not performing and you know there's a guy down in Rockford who's killing it, what what mentality does that give you as a player in season to know that, hey, you're not not comfortable here? You have someone coming to take your job. Yeah, I, I lived that life for nine or ten years in the NHL. It was I was I was never comfortable every day. Practice was a tryout every day. You had to be on, you had to be ready. You're going to bed stressed at night. I was stressed every single day going to the rink because I had to perform. I felt like in being in a bottom six role, bottom bottom six, bottom three role. Um, so that's I and I think it's healthy and I think that that's what this team last year the, nobody was really threatened for their job I didn't feel like I felt it was pretty comfortable and this year as Stan keeps building this thing and building more guys now there's a little bit of stress in some of these bottom six guys that I don't care what your name is there's a guy that that can come and take your job anytime and I think that that competition and and uh, again we, we talked about you know the guys that they brought but when you bring the mutt back here I think that kind of sets a tone for your kind of guys that I got to play that way. This is the style of Hawks hockey that we're going to play now. So now your guys in Rockford, they got to play like that guy does. And that's going to set a tone. We've touched on it, but development camp starts next week, July 15th through the 19th at uh, Fifth Third Arena. The team's going to be training or practicing in the afternoon from Monday through Thursday and then a scrimmage on Friday morning uh, to really kind of wrap things up. And it's a good opportunity for the Blackhawks front office to really get a look at some of these guys who spend most of the year away from Chicago, away from the organization, whether they're playing in juniors, whether they're playing in college, uh, a couple free agent guys coming in. Uh, It's going to be a really interesting week, but in our look ahead to this, I think we're going to each kind of go around the room. Maybe I think we have three touch touch points of what we want to talk about, maybe a storyline that that sticks out to us. And kind of just there's a lot to be excited about for next week because this is the future of this team this is the future of whether it's by these players coming up to the next level mm-hmm. or whether it's by these players being included in a trade to get a big name star or someone else this is what the Blackhawks are going to be in the next three to five years uh, and in some cases a lot sooner than that well for me the, f- the first name that you're going to want to see is Kirby Doc and that's that's obviously the exciting one and um still it's early right I mean these prospects can't most of these kids are not going to play in the NHL next year Um, but Kirby is a guy that this his evaluation will start next week it'll start when he gets on the ice and now the main camp is really when you're going to make those decisions but it's your first look at him and I, I still remember when Patrick Kane wheeled out there for his first first prospects camp 
that he was at, and he made an impact. He was certainly noticeable, and he lit that thing up pretty good. But now you're playing with 18-year-olds. We're like, okay, we're all watching. A bunch of us were there watching. We're like, okay, he's really good, but just wait another month and a half until main camp comes when the big boys show up and the guys with beards and the guys with chest hair walk out here, and then we'll see how he does because he's little and he hasn't played against these kind of guys. And then he showed up to training camp and made us all look stupid there too. So he was just fine. But for for Kirby, this is for fans. That's when it's fun to see how he's going to do. And if he goes out there and lights that thing up, the expectations are going to be high in main camp. And and he's a guy that uh, shouldn't, with his size and the way he skates, I don't think it can be surprising if he can make this team out of training camp right away. It, it certainly looks like he's going to be given opportunity. They just signed him, right? So um, he'll be a fun guy to watch. A three-year deal for Kirby Doc uh, just earlier this week. Officially really a formality at that standpoint, yep. but uh, you officially now have him under contract. Yeah, I want to piggyback, Adam. Just This is a, not just a number, a, 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 you know, first-round draft pick. This is a number three overall. Yeah. This is a possible franchise changer. So a lot of eyes can be on the three defensemen we talked about, the Bocas, Bowden, and you know Mitchell and those guys. But to me, I want to see how close Kirby Doc is to an NHL player. You know, we've seen video of him. I don't think you can get a pretty good idea on video. Yeah. You have to get an eyeball test. So I'm looking forward to seeing how he does in the corners. I know everybody talks about he talked about he needs to get stronger. Um, I want to see what he does. The two hundred, the two way game, two way game. And you're right. How close is this kid? Is he is he ready to step in this season if they need him? Maybe not right at the start of the season, but midway through if somebody gets injured or you need something, you need to jump. So to me, it's it's a franchise changing draft pick. And yeah, people, you know, Stan Bowman made this pick. There were other names on that board that might have had a, a bigger impact sooner. So he made a lot of people saying either I told you so or it's like, yeah. oh wow, Stan was right. That's kind of intriguing to me. The, the comparison is Ryan Getzlaff, right? right? That's the one that yeah. I get a lot. So if he's anywhere close to Getzlaff, that's, that's, a, that's a franchise guy. Well, I think for me, you mentioned it, Chris, it's your first chance to really get a look at this guy, not only for Kirby Doc, but for the other five players that got taken after him this year mm-hmm. in the draft. This is their first chance to really interact with the Blackhawks organization. Uh, we've seen a lot of highlights of Kirby Doc. We haven't seen a whole lot of highlights of Dominic Bassey or Cole Molberg or any of these depth guys. So this is the first chance, I think, for, for us and for fans to really get a look at Hey, who might be these guys in, in three to four years? You have you know, Michael Tepley, Alex Vlasic. You know, there's maybe a little more out on him, the second rounder. But uh, Michael Tepley, the fourth rounder. Auntie Sorella, the fourth rounder, who might be giving his brother tips on what Chicago's like. A yeah. uh, little, little interesting storyline there. And then Dominic Bassey, Cole Moberg. I think it's going to be exciting. And you get that fresh blood in, um, you know, maybe some wide-eyedness of coming into your first professional prospects camp uh, after being drafted. But uh, it's going to be a great opportunity for for Stan Bowman and the rest of the Hockey Ops staff to get a real feel for these guys, start to bring them into the organization, into the Blackhawks model and what they want from them going forward forward over the next few years. And the young defensemen, those those three first-rounders, those are the other... To to me, it's Kirby Doc and those guys are the ones that a staff is really going to want to see because... Those three defensemen, those last three first-round picks, they've had one or two of those guys. The, the, the opportunity's there for them. They need who wants to grab it, who wants to take it, who's put the time in this summer. This prospects camp is a really good tool for them that none of the other Blackhawks guys have the opportunity. You've got an opportunity right now to really impress some people. And uh, you can also blow it. I mean, some of these young guys, it's not all that next week what happens. But you show up a little out of shape or you show up not really focused and a little sloppy, that sticks with people. You only get so many impressions in this league. And anytime you get the chance to make a big impression on the staff and on the coaching staff and the management, as a young 18, 19, 20-year-old, you have to be on when you show up. It's about interacting with teammates, too. Is this guy, does he 
you know, is he off by himself or is yeah. he a team player? And you're right, all the talent in the world, you know, that goes so far, but you've got to be able to do the right things on and off the ice with teammates. I think that's something that Stan Bowman and the hierarchy are going to look for. I'm really looking forward to seeing Adam Boquist. Uh, he had a slow start last year with the London Knights, came on in the second half and had a huge postseason. To me, if he can take that next step, now you're talking about a kid who can threaten to get in the lineup. And, Burr, you mentioned maybe – He's a guy that if he if he he draws in, maybe somebody else is available in the trade, or yep. you know, it's just so many options that Blackhawks didn't have the last few seasons. And I think Stan Bowman was probably you know champing at the bit, saying, "Okay, we've got some guys, we've got some assets, let's do something with it." Yep. Another guy you can hear Stan Bowman talk a little bit about later on when we sit down with him later in this episode is Philip Kurashev, a guy who's coming in. He's a fourth rounder from last year. A uh, great season with Quebec in the QMJHL with 65 points in 59 games. Almost a goal per game in World Juniors last year for Switzerland. He got a couple games for Rockford there at the end of the year, but this is a stepping stone for him. He will be involved in full training camp in September, but this is a stepping stone for him going into a big year, what figures to be a big year uh, in, in Rockford. Big time. Yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of the... That's kind of the deal. And in the summertime, you've got your opportunity here to do this. Uh, there's a lot of guys working out with Paulie Goodman this summer. And there's a lot of opportunity here if you're a young kid in the Blackhawks that wasn't here three or four years ago. If, if, for me personally, if I was drafted by the Blackhawks in 2010, 2011, good, good luck. You're not making this hockey team. Right now, with the way this team is moving and wanting to kind of shift how they play and being disappointed with what's happened in the last two years, you know, other than maybe five or six guys on this team, there's a lot of spots open. There's ice time available um, that can be taken for some of these young kids. So if you're a young kid, you know, two or three years ago, you look at those prospects camps, I, I think, honestly, they're looking in, in there. If you were to ask them and they were to give you an honest answer, oh, I'm probably not going to make this hockey team right now. Where am I going to fit in? Where am I going to go? Where if I'm one of these kids now, I show up and I perform and, and I play well. I got a chance to make this team and I got a chance to maybe be on the bottom six to start and work my way up the lineup and play to 12 minutes early on on this team because I know that this this staff and Stan they're looking for guys that are hungry and want to be Blackhawks and bring this thing back to where it was just three years ago. Also you know it is important to look at who are the forwards of the future because you know with the emphasis early on in drafts last few seasons has been on defense obviously Kirby Doc is, is a departure from that but at some point You've got to bring in some forwards who can score. Yeah, you know it's it's easy to say, oh yeah, we've got Kane, we've got Taves out there, we're going to score goals. But at some point, they're going to need some help. At some point, they're not going to be around. I know Blackhawks fans probably cringe when they hear that, but down the line there, these guys aren't going to be around. So you've got to start establishing some young forwards now. Like kid you talked about, uh, some certainly something to watch both in development camp and then training camp coming down the line. Let me ask you this: Chris Versteeg signing with the with the Rockford IceHawks. Do you think we see him in a Blackhawks sweater this year or not? I think, I think we, he gets called up and we I see th- him. I think he does. I do I re- too. Yeah, I do. I think at some point he can't beat experience. You yeah. know, he can come up here. He's a great teammate, as you know. If you need to plug in a guy for a couple of games on a long road trip, maybe they're going out of Western yep. Canada. Bring in Chris, Chris Versteeg. It's you know what you've got with him. Yep. You know you've got experience there, and you know great character. It'll yeah, be fun he, to be on the plane with him. Be and, a, I know yeah. if I was in that locker room, and all of a sudden Chris Versteeg showed up in January twelfth. You know, in the dog days of the season, and he's been playing well in Rockford, and all of a sudden he walks in the locker room. All oh, would give the guys a boost. He's he's one of the favorites. What can he bring for some of those guys in Rockford though? Because it's going to be a very young roster in Rockford with so many of these prospects that we're all gushing over right now. What is a guy like that? who's won Stanley Cups, bring to an AHL team as you're a first-year pro getting your, your feet wet in the AHL? Just he, just a fun guy to be around. His his energy is contagious. He he's kind of, I think he's to the point in his career, and, and, and guys do that when you when you get at the – he's at the tail end of his career, right? He's a year, maybe two years he'd like to keep playing. Maybe this is it. 
um, there's a point when it comes, gets to that area where you're like, all right, I'm done. You know, I've got nothing else to give. I know I'm not going to play in the NHL. I'm not going to play in the playoffs anymore. And you kind of start writing it off. All of a sudden, you know, Chris goes to Europe last year. He goes and plays in Sweden. And he got that love back a little bit. And did I ever think that I was going to see him sign American League hockey? Not a chance. He doesn't need the money. He doesn't need it. But he got that hunger back. You don't go and play in the minor leagues or in the American League at 33, 34 years old if you don't love it and you don't want to. Because it, it, it sucks sometimes as an older guy. You're riding a bus. You're playing in, in grungy ranks. You're in like locker rooms that you haven't been in. If you're in the NHL for 10 years and you go to American League visiting dressing room, you think like you're a peewee again. It sucks. Um, but you, you, you put your pride away, you throw your ego away, and if you're willing to do that at the tail end of your career and you're a good pro like Chris is, you're a fun guy to be around, he will keep that locker room loose, he will make them have fun, he'll make practices fun, and he can still play too. He can still handle the puck, he'll be great on the power play. Um, and he's a guy that, hey, if this Blackhawks team, they're, they're in a little bit of a funk and they need something to kind of pull them out of it, like you said, for a road trip, Man, what a cool guy to bring up and have some fun with. And a guy who could be a role model, you know, if I'm an AHL player and I'm trying to break in, I, my eyes are on Chris Versteeg. Yeah. How, how's he dressing? How's he getting on the yep. bus before everyone else? He's on the ice before everyone else. You know, what is Chris Versteeg eating? He knows. He's been through some battles. He is a fun guy. We, like, we love when he rapped and, yep. you know, it was great. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was fun. But he's a, he's a dedicated pro or yeah. he wouldn't still be going on. Yep. Uh, you know how hard he worked. Uh, so if I'm an AHL player, I'm watching everything he does on the ice off the ice, on the bus, in the hotels, on the road, in a restaurant. Seems like small things, but that's how you learn. And if you don't have a guy like that in that, in that room or on that team, it's kind of difficult. Yep. They'll, and they'll ask him, what does Kane do? What does Taves do here? Mm-hmm. What is, I saw that video that the Blackhawks put out where Kane was you know, doing this stick. How does he do that? And they'll, they'll pick his brain on that stuff. And when I was playing, I would talk to older guys on different teams about guys on other teams and what this guy was like and what that guy was like. And so you have enough veteran guys like that around assuming their attitude is good and they want to be there, which obviously Chris does to come and sign back here. He wanted to be here. It's a pretty neat asset for these young guys to use. Well, we've talked round and round a little bit about development camp, uh, a little more of an informal roundtable on uh, on what we can expect next week. I'll wrap things up. I just want to point out, we've talked about some of these prospects, but it's also a very cool opportunity. There are six free agents, a lot of college kids just kind of coming in, invited to maybe help fill out some bodies. Some guys at Blackhawks are really trying to get a look at, maybe um, not really for a draft, but in terms of signing as a free agent at the end of their time. One of those, Stefanos Lekas, is a free agent goalie from Elburn, Illinois. Really cool opportunity for a local guy to, uh, I'm sure, going to be a great opportunity to, to get some time on the ice, even if it is only with the prospects with uh, with this hometown club. And, of course, development camp opens next Monday, the 15th through the 19th. Uh, practices in the afternoons monday through thursday a scrimmage on friday morning which will be streaming on blackhawks.com uh, to kind of wrap things up that's at 9 30 plenty of coverage throughout the week from from chris and uh from adam we'll have you uh chat with some of these guys next week for our, our podcast version and uh kind of put them on the hot seat and really get the real answers Uh-oh. out of them Buckle up. Hope they're ready. That's a, that's a word of warning for all of them. But, uh, <laughs> gentlemen, thanks again for joining us. Uh, Chris, do you have anything fun coming down the pipeline for Blackhawks.com this week? I'm writing a piece on Frazzle Dazzle, Colin Frazier, a guy who Blackhawks fans nice. know very well. Great talker, great guy. He's now scouting for the Blackhawks, and he was uh, had very instrumental in bringing in Kirby Doc. You saw him play many times in Western Canada. So uh, look for that piece coming up. I'm, I'm enjoying writing it. Had a great talk with Colin uh, at, on draft day, and um, really looking forward to writing the piece and having it being read. 
Stick around on the other side of the break. We'll have Stan Bowman taking your questions and more right here on Blackhawks Insider. The 12th Annual Blackhawks Convention, presented by Magellan Corporation, will be held from July 26th through the 28th at the Hilton Chicago. The event, which is sold out every year, will feature both current Blackhawks players and alumni throughout the weekend and include numerous autograph and photo sessions, Q&A panels, exhibits, interactive games, and much more. Blackhawks players, coaches, executives, and alumni are expected to attend. Visit Blackhawks.com to purchase your passes today. Welcome back to Blackhawks Insider, and we're thrilled to be joined now by Senior Vice President and General Manager Stan Bowman. And Stan, thanks for taking a few moments out of your day today to join us, and uh, we're excited to have you on the podcast. It's great to be back. I'm looking forward to it. It's great to be back, and you and I were just chatting a moment ago about how uh, last week maybe was a little slower than the previous weeks. Uh, Around the 4th of July holiday, you were able to maybe spend a little time with the family. How nice was that? Yeah, I feel like I had to reintroduce myself to the to the family. It's uh, it's been a real busy stretch the past several weeks, even, even last month and a half, leading into the draft and then free agency, and then it's like everything shuts down once that first day or two of free agency hits, and people kind of go back to their lives a little bit, anyways. Now, does the Bowman household celebrate Canada Day or Fourth of July? Because I know you're born in Montreal, raised in Buffalo, went to Notre Dame. Your kids are all obviously born and raised in Illinois, but right. uh, I'm sure Canada Day is not exactly a day where you're around and available. Uh, no, that's uh, I guess it's probably better for them because we don't celebrate that part of it. It's more the U.S. holiday of uh, July 4th. So uh, it wasn't a break for me on Canada Day. We were pretty busy that day as well. But um, that's the hard part, I guess, is people in Canada, uh, the hockey world is, you know, tied to everything happening on that day and it is a holiday there so it's it's a little different for people in the u.s they don't realize that but um there's been a push by some people saying maybe we should change when we do the free agency and move it up so that it's not on a canadian holiday but uh i don't know if that's ever going to happen yeah this year was weird because free agency was so far removed from the draft there's almost a week long where gms could talk to different free agents and, and get in there. How unique was that maybe this season to have so much time to be able to really plan out your strategy between the two uh, big events? Well, I, th- I think it was better that way that w- there wasn't a mad dash to try to get everything done in one or two days. We had, like you said, a lot of time. Um, and I think uh, it probably was beneficial. I think f- certainly from our perspective, you could plan out your week and you had a lot of conversations to have, but you didn't have to necessarily get it worked out in the first call or two you could talk things through and have a a time to do what you need to do so um, I think in the coming years it's not going to be that way because the draft falls a bit later Um, and uh, this is just a unique situation from that perspective. We'll talk about the activity during free agency in just a moment but a little bit of the news Early in the week is that Kirby Doc has officially been signed to a three-year deal, your number three overall pick from this year. Uh, more so, I guess, a formality at that standpoint, but how exciting is it to have uh, such a young talent locked up for three years? You're right. It is a formality. I mean, we knew this was going to happen, so I guess it's not necessarily breaking news, that perspective, but uh, it's the first step. If he's going to play on our team next year, he has to be signed to a contract, so uh, like we said all along, uh, we're going to get him signed, get him in camp, and see where he looks and see how he looks and what the team looks like at that point. We have a, a number of new faces right now 
um, compared to just even two weeks ago. So uh, that's what the camp will be to try to sort through, um, you know, where he fits. But it's exciting knowing that uh, the player that we spent a lot of time getting to know and, uh, you know, we're going to be able to see him pretty soon on the ice with our uh, development camp coming up. Uh, but to know that you know, he's in the fold now and he's like everyone else, he's a candidate to be on the team. You mentioned development camp coming up. How special of an opportunity is to get players like Kirby Doc and like all the other players selected, not only in this draft, but in, in years past? Get them in Chicago. Get them a, a firsthand look at them yourself and uh, not only the scouts that maybe see them throughout the year, but have them in the facilities for a week, working out, getting a real feel for where they're at in their development processes. Well, it's important, especially for our development staff. I think our scouts, they don't play a big role in it because they've spent the time watching them and scouting them, and then they turn them over. Now it's development to try to work with these guys. And for players that were here drafted in previous years, um, it's a good checkpoint to see how have they progressed, where are they at, um, it's not so much about scrimmages or trying to evaluate their progress. We're trying to impart a lot of knowledge to them, giving them some skills to work on, you know, weight training, strength training, um, you know, their development as an athlete, those types of things. So it's important from that perspective, and it gives our guys a chance to, you know, spend some time with them. You know, you're not really rushed to get them for four or five, six days. You can spend time having lunch with them, talking about you know how their year was last year, what their goals are for the upcoming year. Um, so I think the setting is nice from that perspective. It gives me a chance to see all of these guys in one location and interact with them. So uh, we've put a lot of time planning out our camp this year. I think our guys have done a really good job um, trying to put something together that's meaningful, and they're going to walk away you know, better prepared for next season in a, in a number of ways. What can these young players get out of an opportunity like this? Because so many of them play in so many different environments across so many different leagues and even countries. Where does this fit in in terms of their, their process of becoming a Blackhawk? I, I think the thing we try to do is give them an idea of um, skill sets and um, aspects of hockey that the Blackhawks are um, – trying to impart to them and it's not always a, a technical thing sometimes it's more about you know a mentality or we try to give them some other skills about how to deal with stress and um, you know nutrition those types of things so you know these players all have different influences in their lives from you know their agents to their club team that they're with um, and it it doesn't always match up exactly with maybe what we're looking for when they get to Chicago. So I think this gives us a chance to get everybody on the same page, talk about what values we have as an organization, what types of things we've noticed are important that they're going to have to learn and uh, bridge the gap from where they are now to where they need to be when they eventually show up in training camp. So some of these kids will be at our camp in the fall, the, the junior players are eligible to. If you're a college or a European player, you don't have that ability. So this is a good chance for us to give them information and stress things that are important to the Blackhawks. We touched on free agency just a moment ago and signing two guys in Ryan Carpenter and Robin Leonard, um, who 
are fantastic depth additions, I think, to to this organization. And Ryan Carpenter, someone who uh, the quote you had afterwards was, "You don't your team doesn't win without a guy like Ryan Carpenter on your roster." What do you like specifically about him and and what he can bring to this team? And then we'll talk about Robin in a little bit. Well, I've had a chance to watch Ryan pretty closely the last couple of years, and he's been part of two successful seasons in Vegas and even before that in San Jose. And I think the thing I was trying to communicate was his ability to do the things that aren't too glamorous but are necessary for a team to win. Uh, the guy that's going to block the shot, the guy that's going to win that important faceoff, uh, the player that's going to go out there against good players and shut them down, those things don't always get a lot of attention because it don't translate into goals or assists sometimes. But if you don't have enough guys that are willing to do that work that isn't always glamorous, um, then your team doesn't win because somebody has to do that. So he's got the versatility to play in the middle and also play on the wing. Uh, great work ethic, uh, you know, more of a simplistic player but a very effective player. And uh, he takes pride in his role, and he plays an important role on a team. Uh, penalty killing was an area that we struggled with last year, and we're hoping that uh, Ryan can find a home somewhere on that penalty kill unit. Uh, so from, for those reasons, I think it's, uh, it's a valuable addition, even though it's maybe a little bit under the radar as a, a household name. I think if you watch his game closely and you see the detail and the work ethic, you can see why he's a valued member from a coach's perspective. And you have Robin Leonard, who you mentioned was a guy you weren't expecting to really be available, but when he is available, when you get that call that, hey, he's he's still looking for teams, what goes through your mind when a Vesna Trophy finalist becomes available and you have an opportunity to kind of come in at the last minute and make a deal? We were surprised that he was willing to consider a one-year option. I think, you know, given our situation, that was what we were looking for. And, you know, you have to ask the question. I think we all talked about it as a staff, and we we felt, well, he's not going to want to do that. He just had a great season. He's one of the best goalies in the league. And, you know, those players typically go for, you know, a longer-term, more um, a stable position. Uh, but when I talked to his agent first and then – his agent was intrigued by the opportunity and said, why don't you have a conversation with Robin and see if you guys kind of connect from that perspective. Um, it went really well. Jeremy had a couple conversations as well. And you start to think after we hung up, like, this went really well. And at least from my perspective, I hope he felt the same way. It seemed like it was a we had a similar idea on... Um, you know, the role that he could play and the value in having such strong goaltending. And he was just part of a really good tandem in New York last year. Uh, he didn't have to do everything. And, you know, we're not asking for him to come in here and do everything here either. But, you know, if you have two goalies that are both high-end performers, your team has a chance every single night. And, you know, that was the thing that impressed me. He wasn't asking for a promise of a certain number of games it was more about wanting to be a part of it wanting to be part of a tandem that could be a really effective goaltending tandem and uh, we've we've had success doing that in the past if you look back at the years we won the cup uh, it wasn't just one goalie we had you know whether it was Ray Emery or Ranta or Darling we had a lot of guys that came in and really helped Corey 
be at his best by we don't have to overuse him and we have a strong presence in the net night after night. So I think that gives your team some confidence as well when you go into a game knowing whether it's one goalie or the other one, you're going to get a great performance. And I think it puts us in a great position right now. And it's a little obvious that he's not exactly happy with how the situation went down in New York and kind of what came to fruition there. And it almost seems like he has a little bit of a a, a chip on his shoulder, something to prove was a line that he threw out and coming in on a one-year deal. Like you said, I mean, he he's not shy about the fact that he knows he can prove his skill level and, and continue to grow from here. You have to like a guy that has that confidence, especially in such a valuable position like that. I think that's true. Also, I, I don't think you could be at the level that Robin is at without believing in yourself. You know, he's had a, you know, a, a different path to where he is now. And, you know, I think he's certainly fought through a lot of things to have an incredible season last year. And you don't do that if you don't have the mental strength to be uh, able to prove people wrong. So I think, you know, what you can call it what you want, but I know he's excited to be in Chicago. I've talked to him a couple times even since he signed. Um, he's already training and getting ready for next year and looking forward to great things and helping the team win. So when you hear those things, it, it makes you feel pretty good knowing um, he's on a mission. So you have two free agent signings. You have a number three overall pick who are signed. You have a litany of trades that you've been able to bring in, top-end talent coming in this offseason. Where does this roster stand right now, and maybe what's left to do for you between now and, and September's training camp opening? Probably not a lot of significant additions. I think we've done the heavy lifting from that perspective, and you know, I like our team the way that we've reshaped the areas that were uh, struggles last year. You know, In particular, the, the goals against and the penalty kill were two things that we felt um, really hurt us last year, and we did a lot of things well. Uh, but I think those two areas really uh, made it tough for us to get enough wins to get to the playoffs. So I think when you look at the moves in totality, we've we've shored up all the areas that were concerns. So as we move ahead, it's going to be a matter of trying to find the right pieces to the puzzle. We have a lot of potential players that are new to the organization you're not quite sure what role are they going to play what line would they be on you know we have uh, a lot of candidates to play a lot of different roles and that's that's the fun part though I don't know that we're going to be bringing in a lot of new faces moving forward I think we have a pretty close to a full roster there might be some minor tweaks here and there but uh, I think we set out about couple months ago with a plan on how we were going to reshape the team. We've been able to pull it, pull it off. Uh, and, you know, the, kind of the final piece there was adding the goaltender. So I think from that area, we've, we've made ourselves stronger. We certainly have to continue to be good in the areas where we were good. We weren't really looking to make a ton of changes there. You know, offensively, we scored a lot of goals last year. Our power play was strong. And we have this similar players back who helped propel us to that. So, you know, we're looking for them to duplicate their performances and that doesn't always work the way you, you, you wish it would, but I think we have some other uh, backup plans from that. When you look at the different 
players that are coming in, new young faces that are trying to get their foot in the door. Uh, so I, as we sit here today, I don't know which one is going to round out that forward group and who the are going to be in the bottom six and 13, 14, 15th forward. Um, but we have a lot of candidates for that. And I think that's, that's the fun part from my side of it because you're not just assuming you have 12 guys and uh, this is our team because what if a couple guys don't play to their level or if you have a couple injuries, then you need to almost have 15, 16 candidates to fill those 12 spots to start the season. So I like how that's going to shape up over the training camp itself. And it's going to be a competitive environment. And I think guys are going to come trying to show that they can make a difference. And that's what we're looking We're looking for guys to kind of raise their level. If they had good years last year, we want them to build on that. And we want next year to be um, a springboard for those young players so that they take a bigger role than they had last season. So a very exciting training camp is on the docket, watching some of those those prospects try to make their names and make, make that jump and kind of fill some of those roles. That's right. And also, we certainly have the household names that are that are going to be, you know, uh, fixtures on our top two lines, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, uh, Debrinkit, Strom. question is who's going to be with them. We don't know. It could go seven, eight different ways at this point. Uh, and then who fills that important third line and your fourth line has to have a specific role and a purpose to their game. So those are all conversations that I've had with Jeremy and Jeremy's having with his coaching staff. We've got some new coaches as well. So there's a lot of energy and excitement and ideas about how we could utilize the players in a different way and strengthen our team. Um, And even they're saying that they've got five or six different ways we could go with it. What about this? How about we try this? I haven't thought about these two guys playing together. And then but all the planning you do in the summer, once you get on the ice, things that should work really well, sometimes they just don't. And I think if you have to have enough options for your coaches to, that's really the strength of, of coaching is you have an idea and you plan it out and everyone agrees this is perfect, it's going to work. And then it just doesn't work. So you got to have the next thing thought of ahead of time. And I know that's what our staff has done a great job and we're still a couple months from training camp but they've already been working hard at kind of game planning how they want to use the roster it's almost a perfect segue into the last couple fan questions we have before we we let you go and the the first one that came up was from eric badger and he wanted to wanted to know is there a correlation between the new system coming in jeremy coming in and really kind of the resurgence of patrick kane and jonathan taves and having some of their best seasons uh, of their careers is that is his system a reflection of that and kind of getting the most out of the, specifically those two players uh that's an interesting question i i, I certainly didn't hurt their uh you know they were patrick in particular was off to a great start anyway even uh, when jeremy came in so but i think he he certainly picked up his his pace and he was able to s- sustain it throughout the year i think jonathan saw a nice boost when when jeremy came in and you know, his production was higher than it's been ever. So, yeah, I think you could attribute some of it maybe to the system. I think more of it was just the way that our team was playing together. And, you know, I think it should be 
stated that there's not a magic system that because if there was one system that was the better system, every team would just use that. But you can win a lot of different ways. I think the key to a, a team playing well and a system working is all five players on the ice at one time on the same page in unison and they're playing in concert with one another. And I think it took us a while to get to that point because we were doing some different things. Uh, but I think once the guys figured out what the coach wanted them to do and it became more instinctive as opposed to a little bit of hesitation because you're thinking and you're trying to do the right thing, but you're a half step late or you're a little bit tentative, that's when a lot of those troubles were happening to our team. And I think if you look at the final, say, month and a half of the season, you saw much better team performance from uh, goals against perspective. And, you know, we didn't score quite as much at the end, which I think was, um, that's the one thing we'd like to iron out a little bit was, I think we proved at the end that we could play a better defending style of hockey. But then we there were some games there down the stretch where we didn't score a lot and we lost a couple of really close games, you know, by not being able to put the puck in the net. So if we can kind of mesh those two together where we scored a ton early and we were probably tilting it too much to the offense at the at the risk of giving up a lot of chances. And then we buckled down but we didn't score as much. So you'd like to see all of it come together and it's never going to work that perfectly the way I'm describing it. But I think if we can have uh, a better start to where everyone understands their, their habits and their details and they're doing it uh, without thinking, then you're going to have a better transition game and you're going to be able to score more without giving up that much. Well, and part of the offseason has been kind of retooling that defense and, and adding some big players there that can, can help clean things up at the back. David Bird wants to know, you know, a lot has been made about Crawford and, and Leonard coming in, but where does that leave someone like Colin Dillia and his development? And what are you looking for him this year and what is likely going to be a, a pretty solid role in Rockford? Yeah, Colin's still young. People forget how young he is and how goaltenders, they do mature a little bit later. You know, even Corey was, I think he was probably 26 before he really got his chance in the NHL so it's a little bit of a longer road for goaltenders in some cases not in every case but I would say more often than not uh, so I think Colin's still a big part of where we're going down the road uh, and even within a season you know the last couple of years in particular we've used three four goalies a year so we need him to be growing in his development as a as a player as well as his role down in Rockford to start the season would be important for that team to do well. Uh, we have a lot of young prospects. We have a younger team in Rockford this year with some really high-end players coming in. But at the same time, they're inexperienced. They're new to the league. So if you have a really strong goaltending performance from both goalies, then your young prospects can gain some confidence. Your team can play well. We'd love to have that team be a high-performing team as well. The key for Rockford is to develop those players into NHL players, but you also want to win at the same time. So having strong goaltending is critical to that, and um, I'm sure there'll be instances during the season when we're going to need 
another goalie. Injuries happen. They're part of today's game. So um, I think his his importance to our team hasn't changed. Um, you know, I think he's just going to really solidify his progression from where he was two years ago to where he is now. You know, just build on that going forward. Some of those players who are going to play a role in Rockford this year, you mentioned the younger team. Mason Block wants to know, is there one or two prospects in the system that maybe the fans don't know a lot of, but that you think could be a really big uh, asset or, or have a good season? Who's kind of maybe someone that's flying under the radar um, that that you think could, could have a big year? Yeah, we have a number of players who will be first-year players in Rockford next year. Um, a couple of the forwards to keep your eye on would be uh, Sunderman that we drafted a year ago, Philip Kurashev. Uh, he had a very good season in Quebec, in the Quebec League, and he's a talented offensive player. Uh, he's got the He's done a lot at a young age already, even on the uh, international stage. You know, he's played at the World Juniors for Switzerland and the World Championship, which is really tough for someone of his age to do. But he's had a chance to do that and do well. So we're expecting him to come in, and uh, he's got good skill. He's a he's an offensive player, creative player that can make plays and set up goals and score goals. So, you know, he's a guy that we hope can take the next step going from junior hockey to professional. Uh, another forward was a, a free agent that we drafted. Uh, we didn't, I'm sorry, we signed out of Red Deer named uh, Brandon Hagel. He was a top five scorer in the Western Hockey League last year. Um, had a sort of a breakout season. Uh, he'd always been a good offensive player, but he really took it up another level. And, uh, He's got that nice blend of skill, but also good work ethic. Um, you know, he doesn't he doesn't just have to play one way. Like he can score goals, but he can uh, also be uh, the the kind of forward that plays a two way game. So I think up front, those two players are you probably heard of them, but maybe not knowing what they're going to be when they get to Rockford. And we have high hopes that they can play a big role next year. And both of them will be in development camp next week, July 15th through the 19th at Fifth Third Arena. Stan, last question, a little bit of a a transition before we let you go. Someone else wanted to know, what's your favorite moment with the Hawks, aside from obviously winning the three Stanley Cups? Hmm. The the one moment I remember, it was back in 2010 against Nashville. Um, It's game five here at home. Uh, Marion Hosa takes a five-minute major penalty late in the game, and we're down a goal. And you look up at the clock. I was about a minute to go, and you're thinking, "Wow, this is this isn't looking good." You know, we're gonna potentially head back to Nashville for Game Six, down three to two, and and then all of a sudden, you know, sort of the unthinkable happens. We, we throw Patrick Kane out there for uh, to kill the penalty, which. He hadn't killed a penalty. I don't know if he'd ever killed a penalty. And, you know, you're thinking if if you're in the other team's shoes, they're just going to play keep away. They're not going to – they're just going to hold on to the puck. They've got an extra guy on the ice. They'll spread it out. And somehow we managed to get that puck, and Patrick ties the game. And then, you know, Marion comes out of the box. So, so we tie the game, and everyone's going crazy, obviously. But then we, I look over, and I realize we got to kill about a three-minute penalty in overtime. And I'm thinking, boy, that would be a real – 
tough one to take if you tie the game, but you end up losing on a power play goal in overtime. So we, Marion comes out of the box, um, and sure enough, the puck comes right to him, and he scores. And yeah, it was just such an improbable end to a game when you 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 lose that game 99 times out of 100. But the one time that we found a way to tie it and then win it, and of course Marion is in the right spot, and the puck comes right to him. Uh, that's something that sticks out to me is uh, I'm not sure you'll see that one again. So, um, you know, we went on to, to win game six in Nashville and and sort of the rest is history. That I think that propelled us to, you started to believe at that point, like, wow, this really is a special year. And, you know, sure, a couple months later, we were hoisting the cup. I know you're a calm, cool, and, and collected guy, but were you jumping out of your seat at that one? Yeah, that was... Uh, that was uh, just an unreal series of events to go for a couple minutes from, you know, it's such a crushing low when the, they call the penalty and you figure, oh, now there's no way we're going to tie this one up. And then you start to think, well, maybe we could pull it out. Maybe we could tie it up. And just all those things happen in, in a row to line up for us winning that game. And um, you start to think at that point, like maybe this really is meant to be. Thanks for joining us, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you soon, Stan, and enjoy hopefully what is a little bit of a slower few weeks for you as uh, you gear up for the season. All right, thanks. I appreciate it. Galloping off the last bit of time, they've killed off the panel.